Suspension of disbelief. My life was never easy. Cool face here. Thank you very much for being here. I just wanted to play that song at the beginning. I've been jamming it. Goes hard. Fucking game. Kanye. You know. Fuck Kanye and his opinion. But he makes great art. Whether that be, you know, Masonic rituals in a giant football stadium with all this red color. It's amazing. The type of art he makes we could call it art it definitely is art and that's what we're here to talk about suspension of disbelief art documentaries films drawings video games you know um they asked jason gordon levitt's you know he was robin in christopher nolan's the dark knight rises whether or not you felt he was Robin or not, he was indeed Christian Bale's Robin. And it's funny, they asked him, where does he see cinema, movies, motion pictures in the future? And he said video games. And I've always said, ever since I played Halo 3, it's so cinematic and so immersive that it is the next generation of storytelling and right now we're there you know if you pick up games like red dead redemption those are games that people actually feel moved people feel um a sense of uh, purpose after finishing these cinematic games and um you know fucking art um Netflix. We're always talking about Netflix on this channel, on this podcast. Um, constantly comparing the streaming services. So I want to go into that from the top. Netflix constantly giving us stuff. Whether you like it or not, they are giving it to you. And um, I watched the three-part documentary the Kanye documentary. It was called like Congenius, Kanyesis, you know. It was uh, interesting. It was from the perspective of a friend of Kanye from Chicago. And it was, it was interesting because it started off when Kanye West wasn't even signed yet. He was a producer, and it shows you his determination and his. He was relentless in the pursuit of becoming a rapper, becoming an artist, becoming a musician. He was already a producer. He messed with the beats. He was nice on the turntables, not even the turntables. I don't know why I said turntables, but. He was nice on the board. He would make samples. He would cut down gospel music and insert it into elaborate hip-hop production. I really enjoyed this documentary because 
I've always enjoyed Kanye West's music, but I enjoy documentaries that show us something that we haven't seen, something that you've heard of, but you've never really put too much attention to. You know, it showed uh, a beautiful relationship between a mother and a son. It showed the relationship of the cameraman. I think his name was Goody, Cootie, Cootie, Coldy, Cootie, Cootie. They kept on saying his name. He was a masterful filmmaker. He was filming Kanye probably in like 2004, you know, early 2000s into his Life of Pablo album. And that's like 2014, Life of Pablo, you know, 2012, something like that. So he was filming him for a long time, and it shows his rise to fame, and it shows where he was really interested in grassroots. He was interested in his Chicago brothers, and it shows him. It depicts Kanye being somewhat of an actor, and he's playing a role after a certain part of his career when he came out with his sophomore album, um, I think he did a college dropout. Then he did late registration. Then he did graduation. So around late registration, I believe his second album, it, sh it shows a turn in Kanye's mood. And it shows how he was just obsessed with giving the world, you know, what he thought was fine art. And he wanted to be a fashion entrepreneur. It's just interesting, you know, you sit back and kind of get immersed in this celebrity's life. And it was a interesting take. I keep on saying interesting because it was so interesting um, hearing the feelings of the cameraman that was behind the camera constantly. And this was a hip hop kind of documenter. He documented the hip-hop in Chicago, and he had a Zero TV, Channel Zero, in Chicago. It was like an MTV raps type deal, and he was actually hired by Kanye to do a documentary. So Kanye was propelling himself to stardom by constantly promoting himself as he was on the rise to get signed with Rockefeller, and it has footage in the first part that was iconic you know the second part it kind of shows kanye's fall his downward spiral because as you know now he's in the news for being a fucking stalker he's stalking kim kardashian and talking shit about pete davidson you know him and game came out with that song that i played at the top easy and if you look at the music video it has clearly subliminal messages if not um straightforward messages of kanye west beheading pete davidson in a very uh tim burden stop motion claymation type of motif going on in this music video it's wonderful you know it's kind of sick and kind of disturbing but that's that shit right there this is fucking america free speech and kanye west embodied that this is america and this is a place of opportunity this is a place to hold yourself to a higher 
esteem than your peers. And this documentary shows how he was just, I don't know. It's this, this documentary, it shows, it just, it shows you the real because this guy, Cootie was documenting every moment and it shows where his mother died and it shows how he didn't know Kanye West during this certain time, like a nine year gap. And then it shows where he gets back with them and kind of brings him back into his life. And he's narrating how he felt and he was raising a daughter and uh, becoming a family man in his own right. And it's beautiful. He clips together pieces of his daughter and how his daughter respects Kanye West. And you could tell he told his daughter stories of Kanye West being from the neighborhood and growing up to be a superstar. It was one of those neutral documentaries where it didn't have an agenda. Well, the agenda was to show Kanye West's rise to stardom, but in his narration, you could tell he was sitting on the footage for years, and Kanye West didn't want anybody to see this footage. So it's interesting, again, just Netflix, Netflix, um, always surprising, um, never disappointing. Um, you know, anything I watch on Netflix is a good time. Anything I watch on Netflix is uh, interesting. This Kanye West documentary is happens to be one of them. And uh, I like hip hop documentaries and Netflix is going hard on the hip hop documentaries. And they have that series. Oh, they have the, the fucking Toys We Love series and then Movies We Love series. And they also have the Kid Cudi documentary on Amazon right now. And that came out earlier this year. So it's 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 a good time to be a hip hop head if I could call myself that, because I am um, interested in the culture and a student of the culture, you know. But in other streaming service news, oh, we're staying on Netflix, The Atom Project. The Atom Project. This is a, I think Sean Levi is the director, I believe. And... The Adam Project is a Ryan Reynolds movie that had been floating around at Paramount, I believe, and they wanted Tom Cruise to be the protagonist that Ryan Reynolds plays. So this script has been around. This script has been floating um, through studio heads hands for the longest time and it finally came out on March 11, 2022 and it's after accidentally crash landing in 2022 time traveling fighter pilot Adam Reem teams up with his 12 year old self for a mission to save the future it was cute it was cute 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 AF Ryan Reynolds had a great time doing this movie. You could tell he was having fun. He was making jokes. Some of these jokes he makes are pretty fucking dark. But his delivery, 
the manner of how he describes himself suffocating a child it's just funny i know me saying suffocating a child you're like what the fuck but you have to see this movie his delivery um his comedic timing his mannerisms when he's saying some of this harsh stuff to his 12 year old self it's beautiful beautiful and again sean levi is the director and ryan reynolds mark ruffalo jennifer garner the main stars mark ruffalo in this the hulk he's the dad and we have um some great moments with ryan reynolds his younger self and the father and there's a giant plot that comes through and it just reminds me of one of those movies you grew up with as a child as a child and i watched it with my girlfriend and she really enjoyed it she really enjoyed it and we both had some laughs and ryan reynolds was despicable and sean levi he made what did he make he oh he made free guy the other uh, ryan reynolds movie that came out during uh the peak of the pandemic i would say and that movie was good i watched it once my mom really enjoyed it and that tells me something so this sean levi has a way of making his movies very very family centric very accessible for you know the moms and um the children because a lot of the kids liked free guy you know it had a lot of uh fortnite references throwaway easter egg references from marvel and uh, back to the future a bunch of cop movies you know it had a lot it was a video game reference within itself and he did real steel real steel was uh rock'em sock'em robots with hugh jackman and the reason why i'm going so hard on this adam project movie is because they just announced that sean levi is gonna direct the deadpool 3 movie for the mcu oh i hope i hope disney sticks to their word and gives us this rated r deadpool that we fucking want i fucking want a dirty foul mouth deadpool to be so cute when he's killing somebody you know i i'm gonna be severely fucking disappointed if they don't give us a r-rated deadpool 3 there is going to be so much payoff so much fucking payoff if they actually get hugh jackman in this third movie and why not why not we already introduced time travel with josh brolin's cable character in part two it was amazing it's a billion dollar franchise billion dollar fucking franchise you have um rob liefeld the creator of deadpool he's still here you know he's still doing his thing he's still fucking rooting for deadpool you listen to any of his podcasts any of his appearances and like uh fat man beyond for instance uh he was on the christian harloff the big thing podcast recently these are a bunch of podcasts that are way more popular than mine and um a few podcasts that inspire me to do the same 
And uh, Rob, Leinf Rob, Rob himself has said that he hopes, he hopes and prays that they do R-rated Deadpool. Um, I guess a PG-13 Deadpool could work. We just got a PG-13 Batman movie that was pretty fucking dark. But it's, it's weird because I say that... <sighs> I say that this new Batman movie was dark, but it wasn't the kind of raunchy humor that I want. You know, it it's weird how murdering is okay, you know? But a joke about your girlfriend having anal sex with you is rated r and not suitable for anybody but the degenerates that like that shit you know what i mean like the riddler in the batman movie did some pretty creepy shit and he was killing motherfuckers left and right you know and he was um being a domestic terrorist he was talking about bombs and blowing people up you know, very much so like the Joker in the Dark Knight. The Joker in the Dark Knight was going around terrorizing motherfuckers, um, cutting people's faces open to make them smile. He was talking about um, his favorite weapon being gasoline and, you know, bullets because they're cheap and he could kill a lot of people with them. And he's in, he's inferring this, of course, but you get me you know um but if i was to say you know <laughs> if i was to say a joke about my uh first sexual experience being two girls in one cup uh you know that was my first uh pornography my first um, naked woman being seen on screen but i'm not saying anything too too bad I'm not saying anything too nasty, but I'm referring to pornography and a raunchy, nasty, despicable video. And that shit would be TVMA. That would be mature audiences only. But if they don't do a rated R Deadpool, I'm completely going to lose faith. Completely. Because Disney has already showed us that they just want to Disney-fy everything. They just want everything to be cute and cuddly. They've shown us with pretty much every Marvel movie except for uh, Black Panther, you know, except for Endgame. There's a few where they were pretty hard. They were hard as fuck. And they had a lot of real-world um, inspiration in them. And today, in 2022, it's dark, it's gritty, it's abrupt, it's aggressive, it's in your face. It's not being around the bush, not passive at all. And some Marvel movies are, are you know, are playing with the idea of being real world. Deadpool. And Deadpool 2 were fantasy on steroids. And I hope Deadpool 3 
will be the same. A rated R fantasy that has meta jokes in it and also cute, funny jokes about Olaf singing a song that reminds him of some fucking song from the 80s that Papa, can you hear me? You know, hopefully, hopefully. But yes, that's that's the big fucking news. Deadpool 3 is coming and it is coming. It is coming. C-U-M-I-N-G. Spider-Man No Way Home is out on digital. It is fucking out on digital, finally. And this No Way Home movie, it is supposed to be better than in theaters because they have actively been changing the visual effects while the movie is in theaters. There was reports a couple weeks after the movie was released in theaters. Maybe January, you know, it was probably in theaters a good three weeks. There was reports of the, you know, this is going to be spoilers, by the way. If you haven't seen Spider-Man No Way Home, fast forward it about five minutes and we'll be done talking about Spider-Man. But there was reports of the Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield portal scene looking a lot better than the first initial premiere of the Spider-Man movie. And there was reports of scenes with Ned and MJ on the scaffolding of the Liberty Tower, the Statue of Liberty with Cap Shield. There was reports of that scene looking a lot better and less grainy, more lit, and yeah, you know, the first time seeing it, I've only seen it once because, uh, you know, you heard, if you listen to my podcast last week, you heard what happened when I tried to go see it again with my little bro and my mom. But yeah, the first time I saw it, I, you know, it was forgivable, but I noticed that the VFX wasn't quite on par some scenes did look a little grainy some scenes looked a little too dark you know it's whatever so i'm looking forward to seeing the digital version seeing if it looks a little crispier seeing if it looks 100 percent done you know because obviously by them releasing that they're still doing visual effects and touch-ups as the movie is actively in theaters they're just you know letting us know like we're still fucking working on it to have a better experience for you it's fucking great so excited about that one how to bring that up and another uh another bit of news is more delays you know we're out of coronavirus well don't get me wrong again don't get me wrong we are still uh mm, we're not out of it yet I myself have been vaccinated. I need to sign up for the booster. I had COVID not too long ago. Um, well, at this point, it's probably been two months. Had it two months ago, and uh, it was mild. 
It was definitely mild. I didn't feel like I was dying. Thank God. Thank the universe. Because I'm a bitch when I get sick. But um, it's on the low, definitely. I'm, I'm in Texas. And so, you know, we're like fucking Florida down here. Nobody wanted to wear a mask when the pandemic was full swing. And I was wearing a fucking mask, hand sanitizing, staying away from people, telling people to back the fuck up. And, um, you know, maybe I got a little relaxed. And then that's when I got COVID. And now I feel like it's, you know, I feel a bit safer now for some reason. So I haven't been wearing a mask as much as I used to. So um, let's hope that another variant does not pop up and we'll keep on going we'll keep on fucking trucking going to the restaurants going bowling doing your extracurricular activities free as we used to do before 2020 and um movie delays were a key point that i used to talk about on this podcast and for some reason for some fucking reason or another they started delaying Wonder Brothers movies. We are no longer going to get Aquaman, The Flash in 2022. Aquaman is moving to March, so it's only moving three months. It was supposed to come out December. Um, but this December, as we all know, is the new Avatar movie avatar underwater james cameron is coming back this fucking avatar movie came out like you know 2009 dude so it's been a long fucking time and it was a billion dollar movie back then so they expect it to do as good if not better than the first installment so there's rumors that you know the vfx the log jam as they call it all these scenes are jammed up because they're behind and they're using new technology for this aquaman movie so it's delayed and also with that delay the flash movie gets delayed and it's getting delayed like a whole fucking year man i think it was supposed to come out April? It was supposed to come out this year, though. It was supposed to come out this year. And now it's coming out like a full year away. It's ridiculous. The Flash, it, this movie was supposed to come out like in 2018, 2017. And now uh, they've just been holding it up and holding it up. And there's been different directors. Now we got, we you know, all these movies are in the can. So I'm thankful for that. And uh, Wonder Brothers is going through another merger. Uh, Discovery brought Wonder Brothers. So supposedly there's going to be a mix up again. And who knows? But these delays are not COVID related. The Batman just did big fucking business. It's only been out like 11 days and it's already made half a billion dollars. So we're definitely getting more Batman. And with that news, we have the news of uh, 
the Penguin show coming out on HBO Max. And I'm just super fucking excited for this Penguin show because what they gave us in the Batman was mm, a very loud mouth Osworth Cobblepot. They called him Oz. He was, he looked gritty. He looked like he had a hard life. He looked like he was mad because maybe he doesn't get the respect that he thinks he deserves. And I would love it if that's what this series is going to be. It's going to be about Oz coming up. It's going to be about him being a fucking crime lord. A drug lord. He's going to be running drugs out of the Iceberg Lounge. It is going to be fucking sick. If we see like a Scarface fucking kind of drama about him wanting the world and everything in it. I am totally down with that. What uh, James Gunn gave us in the Peacemaker series was fucking amazing. It was fucking amazing. It, It... it just took my breath away what they did with that television show and it was kind of like a nine-hour movie but we really got to know the characters we really got to know uh team peacemaker you know and his dad his racist fucking dad if you haven't seen peacemaker do yourself a favor watch peacemaker I don't even want to talk about it that hard because if you haven't watched it you need to fucking watch it there was times in this show where I just busted out fucking laughing because they had, they would have like some sort of uh, serious ex, ex, you know, ex, uh, I can't even fucking talk, exposition scene where they were breaking it down and all of a sudden John Cena's Peacemaker would be like, Hey, and how come you fucking set me up? Because they had divulged the information prior that he was going to find out that somebody set him up and now the cops are after his loved one. And he was like, how come you had to set my brother up? How come you couldn't set up Bill Cosby or the Olsen twins or fucking Pete Davidson? And he starts going off and going off and just talking nonsense fucking debauchery and it's it's pretty fucking entertaining if you just want to be entertained by a funny fucking action figure because that's essentially what john cena is he looks like a fucking action figure he has perfect abs uh fucking perfect waist fucking asshole he probably takes a lot of steroids but it's fucking good i fucking hated peacemaker at the end of suicide squad and this show redeemed him redeemed the unredeemable he f- you know spoilers if you haven't seen suicide squad he killed fucking rick flag i can't even say it it made me so sad when i saw that in my fucking living room that he killed him he fucking killed him like nothing he didn't give a fuck he was like in the name of america And I don't care how many women, children I have to kill in the name of peace. All that bullshit. But this show showed you that he was fucked. He's been fucked in the head. He knows he's fucked. And he wants to kill his racist father and get unfucked. But then he does it. 
and he just gets even more fucked if that makes sense but yes i think um this Ozworth couple pot show is going to be amazing and i can't wait and they also said there's going to be an arkham asylum show for hbo max to spin off of the batman and it sounds so fucking promising there was these uh arkham asylum graphic novels and they had these poems talking about the house you know like talking about the house as if it's some sort of uh existential being some sort of presence some sort of uh spirit that uh, uh, is giving off uh, some sort of vibration where it knows time like nobody else it it knows uh, the psyche of the human race and it was pretty heavy stuff to be reading as a 13 year old and the joker was right in the middle of this graphic novel the joker was a uh, a protagonist in this graphic novel and the aesthetic of this graphic novel fucking amazing fucking amazing like there would be splash pages of poison ivy's cell with so much vines and like chaos within vegetation coming through and you know calendar man would have all these fucking scars all over his face plus all these lines on his cell and his straight jacket and just aesthetically pleasing kind of what they did okay they took that aesthetically pleasing idea and applied it to the first suicide squad movie that movie say what you want about it it had a good costume design it had a good art coordinator everything rhymed everything was matching everything bounced off of each other you know and it definitely had a aesthetic going on and other than that I can tell you that I was very disappointed because Illumination Entertainment, the fine people that brought us Despicable Me and the Minions and that uh, Grinch movie that had Tyler the Creator on the soundtrack with uh, Benedict Cumberbatch being the Grinch, that studio, they told us about fucking, I don't know, it was like, 2016 when they said it 2017 like five years ago bro that they were doing a shrek reboot and that they wanted mike myers cameron diaz eddie murphy they wanted them all back and i was like yeah you know why not why not why not just do a reboot with the same cast new animation new story new technology because the first one still fucking holds up but it's a little choppy you know, the animation's a little choppy, and, um, you know, why not? Why not do it? It's an IP. People want it. I'll go see it. I'll take the nephew. You know what I mean? It's going to be a good time. All of a sudden, they announce a Puss in Boots 2. It's called 
uh, Puss in Boots Last Wish. And it has Antonio Banderas coming back, which is lovely. Uh, Zelma Hayek is uh, coming back. I believe she was in the first one. Florence Pugh is a uh, new added voice. She is lovely. I will watch her and listen to her voice in anything. Florence Pugh Pugh. She was great in Hawkeye. She was great in Midsummer. Um, I'm sure she's been in other movies. She's just wonderful. And, oh, ooh, ooh, she was great in Black Widow. She's fucking iconic with the You're Such a Poser line. And, um, you know, I'm going to go see it. I'm going to go see it. Uh, I was just disappointed that it wasn't a Shrek movie. Uh, the first Puss in Boots was good. Humpty Dumpty and all that. It was good. So uh, I guess I'm going to see it. I just had to uh, say that because, you know, I fucking wanted it to be a Shrek movie. But we have to go pay for this Puss in Boots movie in theaters because if this movie fails, we're not going to get a fucking Shrek movie. So, oh, yeah, I digress. I digress. I fucking digress. And um, we saw our first look at the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. It looks hard as fuck. Hard as fuck. Hugh McGregor coming back. Uh, he looks rugged. He looks sexy. He looks beautiful. He looks fucking beautiful. He has that um, kind of withered, uh, a little bit haggard goatee going on you know he looks like he's been on the run a little bit he looks a little bit dirty he's not in his high republic garb his drifter clothes look a little sandy and we see in the trailer we see that he's being hunted by jedi inquisitors these fucking hunters are gonna come at him these are basically Sith, but they've been hired by the Emperor to hunt down all the remaining Jedi and execute them. It looks wonderful. I am a Star Wars head. I I just, I, I love it. Um, you know, I, I grew up on the prequels. My mom, I remember, I still remember to this fucking day. I was crying about something because my older brother and my older sister, there was three of us at the time. It was before my little brother was born. I was young, uh, you know, I was like eight. And I remember crying and bitching and moaning and why didn't grandma take me, this and that. I think they were going somewhere badass, you know. I don't know where they were going, but I know it was somewhere that I wanted to go and I needed to be there, you know. And my mom was like, you want to go see a movie? And I was like, yeah, you know, let's, let's go. Uh, what is it? And she was like, Star Wars. You're going to like it. And I fucking loved it. It was the first time I got engulfed by a score. Um, John Williams is... His fucking... Ah, oh, dude. John Williams is opera from the fucking just all the horns it was so immersive the pod racing the fact that um you know 
one of the main characters was a child and like an eight-year-old it didn't hurt at all to get me sucked in and then from there my mom was like you know there's three other ones right and i was like no i don't know and she was like yeah they're old we need to get them on dvd or vhs and you know what she fucking did and she turned me on to it and it's great it's great every time i watch the old movies i appreciate them even more and now with this new stuff if it's good if it's bad i still fucking watch it i even watched uh rise of skywalker recently and you know i i enjoyed it it's it's bullshit it's it's just retreading what they've done in the first two sequel movies sequel trilogy movies as we call it um you know kylo ren's a badass adam driver uh john boyega looking sexy in all three movies uh hopefully we see more of john i really liked him and hopefully they put him in shit because the man can act um what else what else this so this new star wars man obi-wan it looks good it looks so good and i want to see it we've always talked about it we've always theorized about ah you know there's that famous line in a new hope like um oh no no wait what does it say what does it say uh he says something like or luke says obi-wan once thought as you you know that he could save him and hopefully we see that we know hayden christensen is back we've seen stills of the silhouette of dark vader and of course they got to bring him back of course they do and as they should and i want ahsoka to be in this because we know she's there I want so much from this series that I don't want to get too hyped up because I don't want it to be disappointing. The Book of Boba, it was okay, you know? The first four episodes were fine. I was really into the first two, and then the third one was like, ah, eh. and then the fourth one was like, ah, eh. and then we had the Return of the Mandalorian, and we had that amazing fucking Luke episode. Amazing. Amazing. And now we're getting this Obi-Wan. And it looks good. We got red lightsabers. We got blue lightsabers. Let's fucking go. I've been missing the samurai, the space samurai aspect from my Star Wars. That's why I say I'm, I'm a Star Wars head. I loved Rogue One. I loved Solo. Even though, you know, there was no fucking lightsabers in Rogue One or Solo. Um, I love the Mandalorian. I love that he has the dark saber right now. It's 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 fucking amazing that Star Wars is coming back. It's coming back harder than ever. And uh, Obi Wan, May twenty fifth. Let's fucking go. Couple months. Uh, what are we in? March, April, May. You know, one month. One 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 and a half months away. Let's fucking go. And this is about it that is everything that i've been on this past week and you know and i'm living a pretty good life 
and we have to give it up to our movie lovers in Ukraine and across the world because other people in certain regions of the world aren't as fortunate as me. So I pray, I hope everyone is okay out there. I know there is a war going on across the world. Fuck Putin, you know, fuck him. My heart goes out to all the Ukrainians right now that aren't in their homes, that are on the run, that are seeking refuge. My heart goes out to them and God bless, Godspeed. Tomorrow is another day. And on that note, I am going to say, please like, subscribe, look me up on iTunes, on iTunes, look me up, Suspension of Disbelief, Cool Face, on iTunes. It's the number one fucking podcasting website in the world. And give me a subscribe, give me a comment, please, for the love of God. Please, please, I beg of you, comment, send me a question on iTunes, rate me on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, anywhere where you're watching, anywhere where you're watching right now or where you're listening right now. Give me a subscribe, give me a like, rate me, leave a comment. Thank you very much. I appreciate each and every one of you. Um, I'm trying to get some of the compadres, some of the homies to come on my next show. And we should have a good conversation next time. And I appreciate each and every one of you. As I always say, thank you for being here. Thank you for coming with me on this suspension of disbelief.